fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final And welcome to the latest episode of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal, paving your way to fantasy glory, acting as your lead blocker for fantasy excellence, and all the good stuff. Just all the good stuff, none of the bad stuff. I, of course, am your host, Nat The Truth Jones, and we are in episode five out of eight, breaking down the eight divisions of the NFL. We did the NFC last week, starting on the AFC this week with the AFC West. Uh, Some pretty great stuff in that division and some uh, steaming piles of shit as well. Um, (laughs) Joining me, as always, the Wolf of Rotor Street himself, coming off, uh, you know, what is 14th bachelor party of the year? It's, uh, I think I'm up to at least five now, and it's... My liver, my wallet, everything is getting bludgeoned, Nat. But this is the last one I have. I got a wedding in September. I think that's it for 2020. Oh, no, I got a couple weddings in November. There's a shitload. Yeah, it's been wild. Uh, but took a good day of recovery yesterday. Feeling great today. And as you said, this is like a really interesting division because there's a couple teams where it's all first-rounders that you want, and then there's a couple teams where I don't really want anybody on them. So it's going to be a fun one to break down for sure, getting in the AFC here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I had my draft right after we did the NFC South, I think, uh, on Thursday. I actually had my auction draft. Some stuff went really well. I made, I'd say, two mistakes in the draft. You always kick yourself for mistakes afterwards. I mean, literally just, uh, you know, brain fart mistakes. Like, I wasn't paying attention, and it was my turn to nominate, and I ended up getting Dallas Goddard for a dollar, who I had absolutely no... Right, and... Paying a dollar is no big deal. I mean, a dollar is Yeah, but it was a roster spot. I mean, there's there's guys on waivers that I'd way rather have right now. That was a mistake. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was probably the biggest mistake. And also, I should have gone – I should have gone more uh, all in. Not all in, but I should have been willing to bid more on one of the San Francisco running backs. I regret that. Yeah, yeah. You know I love those guys after we broke them down. I remember you told me Deontay Johnson went for like seven bucks as well. I was like, ooh, yep. that's, a, that's, a, that's a miss right there if you didn't get him at that price tag. But, yeah, overall, yeah. your team was a monster. We'll talk about them on a, that on a later uh, podcast. Yeah, I love what you came up with for sure. Yeah, well, one thing I did is I went all in on CMC, like you said. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to drive that sports car around until it breaks down. We'll see what happens. It, hopefully it will never, never break down on you. We'll see. Right. All right. We're going to get into the uh, the Broncos. We're going to start with the Denver Broncos. Uh, man, you know, I'm a guy who is traditionally a Broncos fan. I'm really I'm an Elway Broncos fan, which was a long time ago. It is pretty hard to get excited about these Denver Broncos in that I'm really not interested in anybody on the team unless I'm getting them at an extreme. You know, there's a couple guys I wouldn't mind taking flyers on if I got a real deal on them. But let's start at quarterback. At least at the time I was writing this, which was yesterday, you don't seem to have any real sense about who's going to be the guy in Denver. You have them taking close to even shares of a not-that-impressive 4,100-yard, 26-touchdown, 14-picks aerial pie. You got Drew Locke, who you've got projected at your QB 35 and Bridgewater at 34. You got Locke at 28 on your big board. I'm surprised you even have him that high. I mean, you're not touching either of these guys, right? 
No, I don't see much value to going in on either. I will say, I mean, the Broncos have now put up 35 and 30, 30 points in back-to-back preseason games. So somehow this offense is flying all over the place in the preseason. We haven't seen that happen in the regular season in quite some time, and I'm not expecting it to. I will say, though, Bridgewater gained a little bit of ground this weekend. He's at this point completed about, I think, 73% of his passes uh, and, and thrown three touchdowns, led scoring drives every time he's been in there. So Bridgewater has been pretty impressive. Drew Locke came out swinging last week. Didn't show those fireworks as, as much this last week. So it seems like it's still you know going neck and neck here without any clarity. That's why I have them split half and half. But even if one clearly takes over, a, a flyer at best in the late rounds of your draft. I do like Shermer as a play caller, as you can see, you know, right a little bit below league average in plays of minus 11. But as a historical play catcher, Shermer has been a pretty good one there. So I, I'm not saying I'll completely write them off if one of them just separates and is the clear-cut guy all year. But even then, like, I, I don't want them that much now. There's not much to talk about with these quarterbacks. Right. Um, I am going to avoid them like the plague. And yeah. I haven't, I haven't kind of liked Teddy just as a guy and everything, but I'm not interested at all in his fantasy production this year. All right, let's move on to running backs. You have a similar uh, situation in the running back. Uh, you know, you've got – Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, obviously one guy young, one guy nearing the end of his career. So you can take that into consideration, but you have them close to spit, uh, splitting carries again. You got Williams last I saw for 201 and 945 yards, eight touchdowns, another 27 catches for a buck 67, a couple touchdowns. Then you got Gordon, 178 carries, 748 yards, six touchdowns. I hope that's all still uh, correct and like yeah. insignificant receiving work. That's good enough for 23 for Williams projected, 40 for Gordon. And then on the big board, you got Javante at 22 and you got Gordon at 33. That's another backfield I really don't want anything to do with. For the most part, I agree. Although I do love Javante as a player. I do too. And, you know, typically in that range of running backs, he goes around like late fifth, early sixth. Sometimes he'll even fall to the seventh. By then, I hopefully have two running backs. And at that point, I don't mind taking a stab at Javante because if he did ever take over as a full-down horse, I think you're looking at an RB1 because of how much I love this guy. He broke pro PFF's metric for broken tackles per like handoff. He, he was insane as a player. The thing is, is that he can't even separate right now in the preseason with Melvin Gordon not playing. They're still rotating in Royce Freeman. It's about 55% Javante and then 45% Freeman uh, with the starters and Freeman playing all the third downs. Like I, I was hoping to be honest that they just give Williams that entire three down workload, see what he can do. That's typically what Pat Shermer does with his backs. You think of Steven Jackson, you think of Dalvin Cook, you think of Saquon Barkley as a rookie, all monster workhorses. So there is that upside in a Pat Shermer offense, but why is Voice Freeman working in at all in the preseason? Why don't you see what this guy Javante can give you before Melvin Gordon comes back? If he can't separate for true three down work this early with nobody else out there, when's that going to happen? So I am a little bit worried there about this backfield. I, I do think though, Javante is worth that stab. If you have two good guys in place, you don't, you know, you might have a nice bridge like Raheem Mostert a little bit later to get to him because there is that league winning talent with him. I'm just a little bit nervous. He'll never truly separate in this depth, this depth chart. Javante, for whatever it's worth, went for ten bucks in my auction draft. About fair. That's I'd say about a fair price there. Yeah. Yeah, that was slightly more than I was willing to pay at the time. Now I kind of wish I had done it. But there's other guys I wanted more than him that I didn't get. So anyway, 
All right. Now the receivers, you have two pretty good receivers at the top of the board, but it's tough to get super excited about either of them. That's a real recurring theme with this Broncos team, at least for me, tough to get super excited about any of these guys. You got Cortland Sutton and you got Jerry Judy. Until recently, you had Sutton as, uh, you know, slightly preferring him over Judy. Recently, you've changed your mind on that and have flipped him a little bit. I'm going to tell you the stat lines. Uh, I'm not going to say the rankings because uh, the projections had not updated the last time I went in there. So you can just kind of try to explain yourself on these without me giving you the rankings. You got Sutton for 71 catches on nine seven for 973 yards, six touchdowns, 114 targets. Judy, you got 74 catches, 1,036, six touchdowns on 125 targets. So, I mean, pretty similar target share, pretty similar numbers, honestly. Yeah, I think it's going to be a real true 1A, 1B. And at their prices, that would suggest to me Sutton's the better fantasy investment. But the reason I've flipped them lately is, one, Sutton's been recovering a little bit slowly from that knee. They're saying he's finally looking like he's back to that true all-pro self. If that's the case, they might flip again. But I think Judy might be talented enough, even at 100%, might be with Sutton. I think Judy might be good enough to hold him off. He's just, even last year as a rookie, the routes were insane. It was just the drops that would drive you maddeningly crazy after he'd be wide open. It would hit him not often in the hands because his quarterback sucked. But still, he had some catchable balls he really should have reeled in that he didn't last year. So I ultimately thought at first Sutton would be the, the clear-cut target hog. But, man, Judy, through the preseason, of every report is he's unguardable, whether that's in joint practices. We've seen it in preseason games after the catch, at the catch point, you know, all over the field, both deep, intermediate. I, I think Judy is the alpha here. I really do think he's going to take over. And it's easy to bet on a talent who, who, yeah, he had a couple drops, a little bad case of those dropsies. But still, coming in, I loved Judy. I still think he – already as a sophomore run some of the best routes in the league. And so the drops being one of the least, you know, sticky stats year to year, I think that'll improve for Judy. And he's now become a guy like round six after those T Higgins is those Brandon Ayukes. I think Judy's a amazing wide receiver three uh, become somebody that I hadn't really been targeting much to now somebody that's on my, when that investing guide comes out later this week, he's on that list as a wide receiver three. I'm definitely targeting in that round six range for sure. Uh, real quick, before we get into the tight end, we forgot to, you know, hawk the show at the beginning and ask you to give us a thumbs up. Um, whatever platform you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope or anything else. I don't know. We're we're like an octopus. Our tentacles are just you know <laughs> going out and everything. So if we're on other platforms, I don't know about. I apologize. But anyway, uh, give us a thumbs up. Give us a like. Uh, subscribe. Give us a review. Say something nice. We'd appreciate All that it. stuff means the world. And before we move on to the tight ends now, I did want to mention KJ Hamler has now scored back-to-back preseason weeks, has that Deshaun Jackson-like deep speed. Uh, so I really like that guy in best ball. I do think it's going to be similar to Deshaun Jackson. It's tricky to project week-to-week week when you can slip him in there. But if there was ever an injury to Judy or Sutton, I think Hamler could really step up, and he's become a late-round sleeper that – wasn't on my radar much entering this year, has really shot up the board because of a strong preseason play, looks fully healthy, ready to go. He's connected with both quarterbacks now for scores. I like KJ Hamler a lot as a late-round sleeper. All right, for tight end for Denver, and this is the one guy who seems to be, yeah, he's probably a legit fantasy starter. Uh, Noah Font at tight end, 69 catches, 773, six touchdowns, getting over 100 targets. So, you know, up there in the range, at least, of Judy and Sutton as far as targets. A big guy, strong athlete. You've got him as your tight end 11. 
on the projection board and you actually like him a little higher at nine on the big board. Yeah, I, I just betting on the athleticism on the big board is where that the, the ceiling is really high for for fan because of his profile, just a freak athlete. They're saying they're using him on more diverse route tree this year, uh, that he's picked up the game a lot better. It seems to be ready for that really true breakout is what everything says. My only question is, okay, so where do those targets come from? If I really like Judy, I think Sutton is a true alpha when he's healthy and, he, and the report suggests he is. That leaves him at best third on the target totem pole for an aerial pie, as we said at the top. Isn't that delicious overall? They are going to want to win games with their defense by bleeding clock. So ultimately, you know, I like Fant. I just don't love Fant. I like the player a lot. I wish, like, if you put him on the Chiefs, Kelsey was her or something, that he could go crazy. It's just not the best situation, I think, for fantasy purposes. But yeah, uh, definitely in my top 12 towards the bottom of that, certainly in every week, tight end one because of just the ability and and the upside there. But yeah, just not a guy that I'm like going out of my way. So, to I mean, as you said, it's not the ideal fantasy situation for him. Is this the identi- uh, ideal fantasy situation for anybody? No, not okay. really. Honestly, right. like they, uh, I just think if Bridgewater does take over, that would definitely help Judy and, and Cortland Sutton in terms of like, I forget the exact rankings, but in terms of like accurate passes and not, you know, just like getting the wide receiver the ball. And I'm not even just complaining completion percentage. There's like the stats about who could produce more fantasy worthy wide receivers. Bridgewater sustained three of them over there in Carolina, whereas Drew Locke struggled to you know, keep any of them competent last year. So I would much rather see Bridgewater under center for fantasy purposes and specifically for Judy. So it still remains one of those situations you have to monitor the rest of the preseason. So I, I felt like that was kind of like going through one of those documentaries you see on uh, Netflix or HBO that's just really boring. It's about some sort of corporate structure and uh, just just something that where you tune out right away. This next one is much more exciting. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you got a lot of guys. There's There's a lot of scoring to go around here, a lot to be excited about. Let's start with Pat Mahomes. I'll just spoil it for you. He's your QB1 on both lists. Bold. <laughs> right. Uh, 424 attempts, 640, uh, no, 424 completions, 640 attempts, uh, over 5,200 yards, 47 touchdowns, 10 picks, and a not insignificant 57 rushes for 285 and a couple touchdowns. You have to think that would be higher if they weren't so paranoid about him getting hurt. He certainly could rush more than that if he wanted to. Big numbers. I mean, is there really anything to say? Other I think than just only- like, man, I, I, he's awesome. I, yes, that. And I think the only thing to add is the fact they've improved this offensive line. Now, we haven't seen it yet through the preseason, them really gel. He's been under a little bit of duress already. So I, I don't want to sit here and say it's guaranteed the line's going to be so much better. But you look at what they did. Orlando Brown, great trade acquisition. Joe Tooney is a Patriots fan. He could, you can't ask for a more reliable guy, whether in the run or the pass games, drafting uh, Mack, just great, like all around improvements across the offensive line. They were ranked. I think bottom five last year. Now in the preseason, they're projected to be in the top 15 units. So that's a big, big leap. And you think about a guy like Pat Mahomes, you know, you give him of all, of course, protection helps all quarterbacks, but you give a guy like Mahomes an extra second or two and a guy like Tyreek on the outside, an extra second or two. That's the difference between like a five yard check down to the running back and an 80 yard bomb down the field. So that's why I haven't thrown for the most yards of his career. Uh, potentially you know, 47 touchdowns. We've already seen him do 50, so like that could be an underestimate here if this line truly gels and holds him up uh, for, for more time to get downfield. But, yeah, there's 
there's really not much else to say other than this guy is a god, a freak player that we haven't seen maybe ever. So I cannot wait to see what he does if he gets better protection. All right. Uh, this one maybe not as exciting, but probably a little more to unpack. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 223 carries, a little over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, 37 receptions for 307, two touchdowns. You know, in this offense, the running back has a ton of value. And we agree that Clyde has got a lot of potential, uh, definitely a strong runner and all that. But you kind of like McKinnon, which maybe is lessening your CEH appeal. Is that right? That's kind of what's happened since the start of the preseason. I was all in on Clyde mid-second round. I mean, last year we were clearly all in on him mid-first round. It just didn't pan out. But Andy Reid has been so fantasy-friendly from Brian Westbrook to Jamal Charles uh, to LaShawn McCoy. I mean, there has just been fantasy monster after fantasy monster. I think it's something around the lines of 74% of his running backs have been true top 12 guys, and like 62% of those were top five guys. I mean, it, it is a very fantasy-friendly offense for the backs, but they're already talking about Jarek McKinnon eating into that receiving workload. Clyde Rizalair has a high ankle sprain in this game. He was logging all the snaps with the starters before that ankle sprain, so there was some promising signs but that can't help the coaching staff feel great about using this guy as a true every down monster. Daryl Williams was sneaking in there for short yards and goal line work last year. And you know how cute they get at the stripes. So it's kind of crazy to project like an offense that I think will lead the league in points, only giving their top running back seven touchdowns on the ground and two through the air. But you've seen how many times last year where it was like, Travis Kelsey gets an end around score. The fullback gets like a little shovel pass score. They just never want to give it to Clyde at the goal line. So I'm not going to project him for a high touch uh, touchdown share. And then if he's also having receiving work nibbled at by Jarek McKinnon, well, now you're losing two of the most valuable sources of fantasy points right there. If he becomes just another between the 20 guys, which we saw last year, it's like, a okay, yeah, a between the 20 guys and a Chiefs offense is more valuable than most, but still – kind of purgatory for running backs. So yeah, I'm a little bit lower than him. He's kind of fallen to third round, you know, the top of third round on my big board, but not quite as high as I was just a few weeks ago. And projections, you got him as your RB20. You actually like him more than your projections. I think you got him at 14 on the big board mm-hmm. uh, amongst running backs, not overall. Uh, worth mentioning before we get too, too, too excited about Jarek McKinnon. How many times has Jarek McKinnon been the death of us? Yeah. <laughs> and death might be a little bit of an exaggeration because it's like, you're I don't know, you're man. Rounder. But yes, we've fallen for this guy, Nat, too many times. Like, it's, I mean, it's he, we had him, we had him as a, like a second round guy, uh, like, I mean, what, three, four years ago? When he first got to, to San Francisco. San Fran, yeah, yeah, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, you loved that guy. And of course. I was all in, too. I was like, and yeah, this is the guy. And that was a lot of a bet on Kyle Shanahan's offense as much as it was on McKinnon's play. You know, it has soured me towards him forever. And it should. It deserves to be. But this is the thing with him. is This is the lowest we've seen him drafted in the last, you know, whenever. He's in the most explosive offense he's ever been in looking as the best pass catching back. And now you have injuries to Hilaire and Daryl Williams picks up a, a concussion. Sure. McKinnon has been working in as the third back. I, this is open, potentially opening up the door for him to carve out some meaningful value in a Pat Mahomes offense, especially if you have like Mahomes in your best ball leagues or whatever, and you want to stack up him at the running back position would not be shocked at all to see Jerick McKinnon Holland four, And that's what I have him for right. 265 receiving yards, four touchdowns. 
I think he's going to be a little bit of a bane to Hilaire owners and right. carve out a potentially meaningful enough role for himself. Yeah. All right. It doesn't sound crazy when you say it like that. All right, Tyree Kill. Let's talk about monster numbers here. You got right. over 96 catches, over 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns. That's on 147 targets. Of course, you got the additional 16 rushes for a buck 44 and two touchdowns. And I mean, who knows on punt returns, uh, kick returns, whatever they decide to throw that guy in for. He is the fastest guy I've ever seen in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> maybe maybe somebody can come up with somebody as fast, but he has stunning speed. He's been talking trash with Usain Bolt recently about a 70 yard matchup, which I would certainly watch. Um, the real, by the way, those numbers for Tyreek put him as your wide receiver two on the big board, but actually number one on your projections. You actually have him with slightly better numbers than Devonte Adams. The real question is the second guy right now. You have it as McCole Hardman wide receiver 49, uh, 54 on the big board, putting up 58 catches, 800 yards, six touchdowns on 90 targets. Thoughts on that? Yeah. Starting with the big man at the top. Real quick on him, like it seems like there's nothing else that you really need to say about Tyreek because of how explosive he is. We all know that. But I do want to point out the second half of last year uh, from, I believe it was week nine onward, he saw almost 11 targets per game. Now that was because of injuries around him and whatnot, but he had more targets per game than Devonta Adams and everybody else in the NFL as well over that span. And we saw, you know, 19 target, 18 target, 15 target game. And we saw 50 point days, 35 point days. If that volume stayed steady all year coming into this year, like there's a ceiling to Tyreek that somehow we haven't seen yet. You'd think we've already seen it all, but we haven't. And that's why I have him ranked up there. As you said, in half PPR, higher than Adams. In full PPR, he's just a few below Adams given how much more he catches the ball. But it is neck and neck. They're kind of in a tier in a class by themselves. Alongside, I guess you can work in Stephon Diggs there too as the only guys I would consider in round one at the wide receiver position. Uh, there is just, like I was saying, there's just definitely some upside with Tyreek Hill that we might not have even seen yet, which seems so crazy. But yeah, Hardman is my bet right now to be number two. A lot of people's bet. We had Nate Taylor on our podcast, the Athletics Chief Reporter, saying Hardman looks like a new receiver, both in how he's practicing, just maturity, the way he's picked it up, but also in his route running, a more diverse tree. The thing is, is he's kind of been interchangeable with Byron Pringle so far this preseason. Last game, preseason week two, was certainly more encouraging to see him in there in all both 11 and 12 personnel usage, but we also didn't have Tyreek Hill on the field, whereas the week before, McCole Harvey wasn't working in for those snaps. So I still think it's a little bit of a cluster buck there. Like, I don't know that we'll get anything truly consistent beyond Tyree Kill. And of course, the next guy we discussed in a second, Travis Kelsey, and, and how much more he needs to say about that guy. But it's still worth a stab. It's an it's a aerial pie led by Mahomes. And if anything ever did happen to Tyreek, someone's going to have to step up and be his number one receiver. I think it'd be Hardman. But I'm starting to really warm up to Pringle, who had four catches, 60 yards, and just a half of action with Mahomes in this last preseason game. Just so reliable, always open, great on the broken plays. Nicole Hardman goes about six rounds you know, more expensive than, than Byron Pringle. So to me, I, I've actually found myself having a lot more Byron Pringles on my team, even if I think Hardman is the more exciting bet. Pringle's cost has led me to him a lot more these days. All right, real quick, we're going to go to Kelsey. And, you know, again, there's not a ton to say about him, but we'll say it anyway. Uh, 103 catches, 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns on 147 targets. That's the same you got Tyreek getting, and that is good enough for tight end one on both of your lists. Uh, I want to just 
give you some auction values at the auction I had on Thursday. This is one auction. I just want to tell you how, how much some of these chiefs went for and interested to know what you think about that. Yeah. I'd love to. Um, um, so Mahomes went for 36 bucks. Too much for a quarterback. You know, well, that. It, of course I know that, but I mean, the next highest guy, uh, was, I want to say 20 or 18 bucks. So to spend 36 on Mahomes, you actually have to think he's going to put up literally double the stats of Josh Allen. That's insane. We agree. Right. Uh, Tyreek went for 57. Pretty fair. And Kelsey went for 56. And I have Kelsey higher on my big board than Tyreek. So I, of those guys, I prefer Kelsey the most, uh, because of how big of an edge he is, right? Like he had 70 more points than Darren Waller, who had a breakout season, massive season as a tight end, too. He had like 150 more than the tight end six. It's insane how right. big of an edge this guy gives you, right? Like ridiculous. Clyde went for 42 for whatever Ugh, it's worth. That's, that's a little too much for me. That's a little too rich for my blood. Yeah. Um, me too. Anyway, talk about, you know, uh, blow smoke up Kelsey's ass for a few seconds. Right. You don't need me to do too much longer than that. Five straight years as the tight end one hasn't missed a game over that span, you know, knock on wood, don't want to jinx the guy, but truly, you know, unlike Tyreek, I guess the only like fault and it's not really a fault is I think last year was his ceiling. And I'm not saying he can't repeat that. Whereas Tyreek still has like a level that we might not have seen, but what else do you need to see with Kelsey? 1400 yards, 15 touchdowns from your, your tight end is fucking insane. Given how bad, and barren the positional landscape typically is. So yeah, to me, he's worth anything top six. Like I would not, if he falls below six, you should be scooping him up in every single draft. If you took him as high as number one, I honestly wouldn't give you too much grief. I think McCaffrey is certainly worth the first overall pick, but the edge that you get with Kelsey, you could, you can make that case for, and there's just the highest possible floor. Like you have Mahomes, the best quarterback in the game. You have a guy who has not missed any time and has been the number one tight end in five straight years. What else do you need? Yeah. We're, way, we're way past the prove it part. <laughs> right. He's he's proven it. He's on. Um, all right, let's get into the Raiders. Man, this is a shit pile. It sure uh, is. Except Hold for on. except Hold for me. Waller. Uh, Let me pull talk. these guys up. You know okay. what's funny, Matt? Is I, before we get into them, I remember we because we started this about five years ago, and I think it was the last time Kelsey like wasn't it was his second or third we, year and we people hated were him so we hated Kelsey they so were like <laughs> this guy is Zeus out there you know I remember they called him Zeus specifically yep. and I was like Zeus you fucking asshole and, and then look good five years later five straight tight end one seasons like after me flipping out about them calling him Zeus and clearly the guy is tight end Zeus like it, it's insane <laughs> oh yeah I mean it just we, makes me laugh how far we we're, we're not going to be using any of those clips on our pitch videos no talking about not. Travis Kelsey sucks he's so overrated <laughs> <laughs> it's more so because we hated him as a person too no, that, 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 that did factor into it a lot I admit yeah, we mocked him you had a Kelsey voice right yeah right. <laughs> right, that was it. There you go. all right let's get into the Raiders Derek Carr, man, this is a team I want nothing to do with, like I said, other than Waller. I mean, every now and then we get to a team, I'm like, this has got to be the worst one. This might be, man. I don't know. Derek yeah. Carr, 375 for 557, 4,600 yards and change, 28 touchdowns, 11 picks, getting no real competition from backup Mariota, according to your projections. Good enough for your QB 18 based on the projections. I'm actually surprised he's even that high. Yeah, it's just one of those blah picks that you're never going to want to make. No one's going to certainly be upset that you took Carr from him. Last year, Marcus Mariota put up over 30 points in three quarters of action. I really kind of wish 
they go to him at one point or another because he was exciting with his legs and he everything. Stinks, man. But he's no good either. Yeah, Carr is just like a bleh. He's going to do what he's going to do. He has a couple decent weapons around him, but you're never going to be excited. A fair guy to balance out a riskier Trey Lance, Justin Fields, while you're waiting. But as we said, we like Fitzpatrick more. We like Kirk Cousins more. And there's going to be another quarterback I talk about in a little bit later on our big board risers and fallers, Zach Wilson, Nat. Yeah, I don't know if you have any. Have you been watching this kid? The ball a little is bit. flying out of his arm to his receivers. So he's another guy I'm going to be bumping above Derek Carr. It's just, I guess in a two-quarterback league, there's a point to own him. But in single-quarterback leagues, we've seen the ceiling. The floor is okay, but it's certainly nothing that you're going to want to put in your lineup week to week. No, that's all I have to say about Derek Carr. All yeah. Right. Running backs, man. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Josh Jacobs, 240 for 984, 10 touchdowns. I mean, that actually sounds like not a bad stat line. Then you got – Kenyon Drake, 165, 665 touchdowns. You got him splitting carries out of the backfield, maybe a 60-40 clip in favor of Jacobs. Although you don't love either of these guys' yards per carry. You do like Drake a lot more as a receiver, which I guess is why their value is as close as it is. You got Jacobs as your RB27 on projection and Drake as your 26. Yeah, which when that comes out to it, it seems like absolute like chaos. I don't think it's going to be that close, but it is the receiving work, especially in PPR leagues. That's really going to separate them. You know, Jacobs, everything could go wrong for Jacobs has gone wrong this offseason. They dismantle an offensive line that was in the top 10 of last year. I still don't understand that. Yeah. They signed Kenyon Drake, who was fourth in goal line attempts last year, third to only Josh Jacobs. Something has to give there. I can't imagine it's just a clear cut. Jacobs is our guy when they have another pretty good goal line back there. I do that as you can see, 10 touchdowns for Jacobs at the stripe. Like he is my preferred option as a rusher. But losing that receiving work, not that he was getting peppered, but you know, 30-ish catches, 50-ish targets, like losing that to Kenyon Drake is going to destroy his value, in my opinion. He saw like the third most touches among running backs, yet only finished just as a fringe RB1 at RB12 last year. Now he's got another guy nibbling at his receiving cheese behind a worst offensive line, and he's still going in rounds like four. I, he he's Jacobs is on my do not draft list. It, based on these projections, I guess I should have Drake on a lot more teams than I do. I might be a little bit bullish on this receiving upside of him. I think a lot of that might – I'm going to probably bump that down just a little bit because of some of these receivers we're going to talk about, specifically Brian Edwards has become much more impressive recently in camp. So I'll probably be bumping Drake down just a little bit but either way, I'm I'm certainly avoiding Jacobs at his round four price tag. Uh, maybe Drake if he falls like round ten or eleven, and I don't have more than you know two three running backs, I'll take a stab at. But it is gross. It's gross. I don't want anything to do with this backfield as a whole. All right. Well, let's talk. Let's keep getting gross. Let's talk wide receivers. So you got your Rugs, Edwards, Renfro, one two three punch. Deadly. <laughs> Henry Ruggs, 56 count. I hope my numbers are still right on this. 56 grabs, 935 yards, five touchdowns. Brian Edwards, uh, 50 catches, 730, four touchdowns. You did mention that you've been impressed by him lately. Yeah, anyway, but you got through, uh, six touchdowns lately. Okay. Yeah, he's right. been well, I mean, honestly, that's not an insignificant jump. I mean, that's that's a lot given what he had. Right. Ruggs, uh, you know, it's good enough for your wide receiver, 46. Edwards. You had it 68. I'm assuming he's higher than that now, uh, being that you've bumped up his touchdowns a couple. And then you got Renfro in there, you know, taking up space. This yeah. is not a very good wide receiver core on your big board. I think you had last I saw you had Rugs 49, Edwards 58. 
Yeah, it, and mostly because this offense runs through Darren Waller, as we know, and we're going to talk about him in a second. Yep. There is the case that either of these guys could be breakouts, and certainly at their price tags. If I'm getting Raiders on my team, it's either Waller in round two. I don't hate taking stabs at these receivers. Uh, one, Ruggs has that speed that's right towards Tyreek Hill level. It just hasn't panned out yet for him. Uh, last year was obviously a disaster after he was the first rookie taken in this really deep-loaded class. Did not he fell flat on his face. But I do think there's some upside. He added 13 pounds of muscle to really help him get off the brakes. That's what really killed him. We talked about him with Ted Wynn on that film fantasy project uh, podcast. Make sure you check that out if you haven't already. That guy's a genius. Uh, but Ruggs does, I think, bring a little bit more to the table. Um, as you see, 95 targets for your number one receiver isn't that much. Uh, and, you know, 84 for Edwards, who's actually been getting the steadier amount of hype. Derek Carr comparing him to Devontae Adams, his ex-college teammate, and how violently he runs his routes, how he goes up and gets it in red zone drills. We saw some of that hype last year that he got hurt and just never fully got himself back. So I don't know how much I'm buying into that either. But at their prices, you know, round 11 or so for Ruggs, around 13, 14 or so for Edwards, one or two of them, you know, they, if Carr, Carr has played well in the past. I mean, you were the one lobbying him for like MVP. Just you deserved it that year. <laughs> he killed it, right? So we've seen a high level of play from him before. It maybe just maybe you could sustain a couple breakouts. I, I wouldn't bet on more than one of them breaking out. And, and I like Edwards as the cheaper option. But yeah, I found myself drafting a bit of rugs in Edwards uh, because there are some intriguing talents and a pretty wide open depth chart outside of Darren Waller, who we'll transition to now. All right, let's talk Waller. Uh, big numbers here, 104 catches, 1248, 10 touchdowns. Last time I looked, that's on 145 targets, making him by far the biggest target hog on the team. That yeah. was good enough for your tight end two projection-wise and on your big board. And just for an interesting frame of reference, if you're drafting, which I'm sure almost everybody, actually everybody watching this is, whether it's an auction or a snake draft, Waller went for 28 bucks in my auction draft, literally exactly half of what Kelsey went for. I mean, Kelsey's the best. That's I'm not saying Kelsey's worth 56 bucks, but if he is, Waller's certainly worth 28 or more. Oh yeah, Waller should go for 40s. Like that, that was a steal. He's undervalued, right? Yeah, and that happens a lot of tight ends in auctions. I've noticed as they go cheaper than they should. Other than the, the main guy like Kelsey, yeah, he's flash and whatnot. And then if the other guys sneak in late, uh, they'll go for way cheaper than they should. Waller, definitely. That's way too cheap for a tight end. I'm projecting for 26% market share for 145 targets. What What's to say about this guy? He is such a freak athlete. He can do it after the catch. He can do it in the red zone. He's just a dominant target hog who has a clear, strong rapport with Derek Carr, who is their offensive coordinator, is clearly not afraid to dial up as the main vein in, an, in a division that they're going to need points in, in many, many weeks. So, yeah, I like Darren Waller a ton. He's above Kittle, and I think a lot of people have started to, to do that earlier in the preseason. It was always Kittle number two. I think a lot of people have woken up to Waller being that much clearer of a target hog. Uh, but, yeah, I love Waller. It's a round two investment, especially if you have like a McCaffrey, a Dalvin Cook. You got your locked in bell cow, and you don't like the receivers. Let's say DK and Jefferson are gone, and you know like another Terry McLaurin will be there in round three for you. I love getting that edge at tight end in round two. He and Waller did go for four bucks more than Kittle did in our draft. Uh, those are so. cheap values for those tight ends, though. That's, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, they were. I looking back, kind of wish I'd have gone for one of those guys. Yeah. Um, let's see. But I got tight ends really, really cheap. 
at the bottom. Anyway, yeah. Higby for a dollar, right? Like two dollars. I got so. Higby for a buck, and I told you I got a got her for a buck by accident. Who I'm going to be trying to trade. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Good luck. Yeah, I know, right? Big big market for him. Uh, L.A. Chargers. Last but not least, we're going to start with Justin Herbert. 419 uh, completions, 659 attempts, a little over 4,600 yards, 33 touchdowns, 15 picks. These are truly huge fantasy numbers for such a young guy. You like him considerably more on the big board than your projections suggest he should be. Uh, above the likes of Aaron Rodgers, for instance, which I think I probably disagree with, you got him projected as your QB 11, but you like him six on the big board. That's kind of crazy. He comes out as my QB 11 with this massive of numbers and I think again it goes to show the rushing upside he did have five or six rushing touchdowns last year he is a plus athlete I do think I need to bump up some of those rushing stats I feel awesome about Herbert though I mean 660 pass attempts would be second in the league according to my projections right now the guy's got a cannon arm and now Josh Palmer is emerging as a nice viable number three one of the only things they were lacking in terms of weaponry there's not much to say. I really love what he showed as a rookie. Thought he went toe to toe with some of the best in the game and showed a real like moxie, real drive, no fear going deep. They bring in the offensive coordinator, uh, Joe Lombardi, who played quarterbacks coach um, for the Saints. Played quarterbacks coach, coached the quarterbacks over at the Saints. Uh, so obviously, it's a pass happy scheme that knows how to get the most out of Drew Brees and all these other guys. I think Herbert's just going to sling all over the yard. He's going to be a beast. Uh, so, yeah, maybe the projections because of the lack of rushing upside don't favor him. And that, I got to start maybe adjusting my big board because of that. But still, I, I could see this guy, you know, under 5K right now. I might have to be bumping these numbers up in a little bit because I really think he could absolutely throw for 5,050 TDs well within his reach. So in round, you know, 8, 9 where he's going all day long. All day. Well, this, this is why I like the projection and the big board thing because it, right. it, I feel like it shows what you really want to believe. The big, I mean, you like Herbert more than your 11th quarterback. Like, there's no question. I sure do. Like, I like him a lot more. And, you know, is that too high? Is that too low? Nope. We won't know until the season. But the fact is, like, you're you're enamored with this guy. 100%. All right. Let's go on to Austin Eckler. Another guy, you know, that, that is shaping up to have a pretty good year. It looks like 241 carries, a little less than 1,100 yards. Only five touchdowns on the ground. But adding 78 catches on 101 targets. For another 624 and four touchdowns um and in a slight chargers pattern here uh your gut seems to be you know uh, not necessarily 100 percent in line with your projections you've got him as your rb6 projection wise i believe but nine yeah. on nine on your big board yeah it's one of those things where they keep talking about we want to use multiple backs uh we want to keep our playmakers fresh so I've started to bump him down just a little bit in the rankings, as you said, RB9, whereas he projects out so highly because of that we're receiving workloads. Again, 106 targets, 87, almost 800 through the air and seven touchdowns there. That's where you're getting your real money and gravy paid because they're comparing him to Kamara. They're saying this is going to be the Kamara-style role. So that's why I have Kamara-style stats here because not that I think Eckler's quite on Kamara's level. I don't think he's horribly far off, though, either. He's, he really is a studly player. Um, so a, a lot of people, especially in standard leagues, he takes a bit of a hit. But overall, you know, around 1,600 total yards and 11 TDs or so, when you combine it all, it's, he's going to be a beast. I really love Eckler in this scheme, just as a player as in a whole. So I'm, I'm thinking he's going to have his, his best year of his career, and that's including two years ago when he was the RB4 in PPR. I think he can beat those numbers with even higher usage now 
this year. All right. We got a legitimate target hog that oh, obviously, yeah. and, and some of the numbers I believe may have changed, uh, especially on their wide receiver too, since I put these in. So correct me where I need to be corrected. I got mixed feelings on Keenan Allen. I know you do too. Uh, for the guy really hosed us last year. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's be honest. Um, he caused us to give out one of our most damning pieces of advice of the entire year, probably. And yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I can ever really forgive him for that. But my, I believe the numbers I have for Allen right now for uh, last I saw 121 catches, a little over 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns on a whopping, I believe I had 175 targets. That, that That's nuts. Is that close to what you still have? Yeah, 178 targets would be oh, second in the NFL okay. uh, projected. Yeah, so and right that, there. Yeah. Which was good enough. I mean, honestly, projection-wise, I feel like that. I think it was only good enough for your wide receiver 13, actually, believe it or not, um, and wide receiver 10 on the big board. Mike Williams, you've got as the clear number two. I do think my numbers for him are a, a slightly outdated. I got 63 catches, 945, 10 touchdowns on 108 targets. That's right. Um, okay. <laughs> never mind. Nothing outdated about that. That's good enough for 41 on your projection board, 35 on the big board. Maybe, maybe he should be higher than that. I don't know. What do you think? What are, are, is the reason you're not higher on Keenan Allen just because you're pissed at him still? A little bit, but honestly, just kind of his, his role. Yes. I mean, that was infuriating. Start me. He yells at the camera only to ruin fantasy playoffs in our advice show right. uh, for sure. But uh, it's one of those things where the volume is certainly going to be there. It, he was averaging the second most targets in the league in his healthy games uh, behind only Devontae Adams last year. So I think that's going to still be there for sure. Just a matter of a lot of those targets are complete dink dunk variety, moving the chains. If you have a you know a third rewards for first down points, that's going to favor a guy like Keenan Allen. But he's not a big red zone monster. That, that's why Mike Williams has a higher touchdown projection uh, here with 10. So I, I think that's what kind of caps his ceiling is there'll be a ton of the volume. It's just not the most productive of volume. It's just kind of churning, churning, churning. And that's great. It's kind of like a, a souped up Edelman, those, those kind of slot receivers for the Patriot type of role, such a good chain mover. So good real life. There's not a route this guy can't run, uh, but in terms of just like those 50, 60 yard bombs or those big you know, touchdowns in the red zone, he just doesn't offer that. And that's okay. That's fine. He's a great, wide receiver one to get in round three, but, but just there's people, there's offenses that there's players, you give them 178 targets at a different offense with a, you know, a different skill set, They could light the world on fire. That's just not Keenan Allen for me. All right. And you did, before we move on to tight end, you had a slight movement there for your wide receiver three Palmer. Yeah, I think it's big. I mean, he's got seven catches on seven targets so far this preseason, one touchdown right around 40 yards, nothing crazy stats wise. But he has been the go-to guy with these other guys resting and getting themselves healthy or just not playing in the preseason. Palmer's really shown out well. And I do think the three in an offense where I think 5,000 yards and 50 TDs through the air are very realistic. Like uh, That's obviously going to have some value, especially when you consider Williams' injury history. Palmer could easily ascend to the number two here. We saw Tyrone Johnson last year when Keenan Allen got hurt become a very viable weekly threat. And now Josh Palmer's clearly outplaying this guy throughout preseason, throughout camp. 
he's like a dog. He stays after practice and works on his deep routes every day with Justin Justin Herbert to the point that they, they've had to like get on a megaphone and yell to them, get on the bus, like it's leaving. You guys are gonna have to walk home from practice uh, because. And I like that type of player, just always trying to get better, always in the coach's ears, always in the Keenan Allen's ear, just like how can I do this drug differently. You like to see that type of player, and most of them are when you get to the NFL level. Like that, that's what it takes to get there. But you still love reading those reports. So I'm, I'm getting big on this guy. He's a great last round stab, in my opinion, because if and when something happened to Allen or Williams, I think you know one of those two has gotten hurt for a significant stretch of time every single year. I think a, a number two for this offense could be a monster. So I really like Palmer as a, a guy that's rising up the projections and big board these days. All right. Last but not least, I messed up a little bit writing down projections for this guy. I realized half the projections I wrote down were for somebody I was uh, researching on another team. But anyway, Jared Cook, you've got as their top tight end. You got him 14th on your big board. So like a very borderline starter, you know, maybe slightly outside in, in most leagues. You got him receiving for almost 800 yards and getting eight touchdowns. And I believe he was somewhere in like the 90 target range. Yep. 92 targets. Good memory there. Okay. Uh, you still got it over there, truth, yes. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really like Cook. I mean, he's second in touchdowns across the last, last three seasons with the, the Saints behind only Kelsey and Mark Andrews tied at the top there, so I guess third. But still, uh, that's, that's solid touchdown production from the Saints. Joe Lombardi comes over, makes sure his guy comes with him. I like all those trends. I like all those signs. And again, if 50 touchdowns are realistic for Justin Herbert, I think a 6-5 monster that's always been good in the red zone is a good bet. The only thing that has me a little down on him is Donald Parham is showing out in camp. The XFL legend, whopping six foot eight beast that can move, is apparently moving all over the line, all over the formation, scoring and dominating in red zone drills as you'd expect a 6-8 monster to do. So if I miss on Cook, I really like taking stabs in my last round best ball drafts on this Donald Palmer guy. Again, Cook is like 34 now, so he might just be Jared Cooked. Like he could be done at that age. And if he is, if he gets hurt, Parham would be a weekly top eight tight end. So I, I really like taking stabs on both of these guys as big red zone threats in an offense I think could really push for a ton of touchdowns. But if you miss on Cook, don't be afraid to take a little swing at Donald Parham with your last round either. All righty, Wolfpack. Well, great seeing some some of you guys that always show up every single time. Great seeing some legends reemerge. Uh, <laughs> he's going to say, Wolf is going to love how – Prep says he's going to love how long I waited at for QB. I cannot wait to see. I, I'm looking, I'll get on your DM right after we hang up here, Prebs. I uh, look forward to seeing that, as I always do. Looking forward to chatting with you in the DMs. Uh, but, guys, thank you so much. Similar to Charlie, if you want to share your teams, you want to chat in the, the DMs, they're always open over there at Twitter, Roto Street Wolf. You can find me. All of our content is at rotostreetjournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves. Thank you guys so much. If you haven't already given us the thumbs up, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, it helps us get out to more people. Consider sharing it with people you're not competing with so we can get out there. Uh, we appreciate you guys, again, regularly showing up or here for the first time. Uh, it means the world that you're willing to listen to our con uh, content there. So make sure you're finding the best of it over at rotostreetjournal.com or on the app as well. Think that's everything and the fancy fullback dive of course where we paved your path to 2021 titles if you prefer podcasts to videos uh, or if you're listening to the audio of this thank you so much reviews and subscriptions are one of the fastest ways you guys can help us out turn on those notifications so you know when you're live and we can be live together and answer all your questions all righty nat i am the wolf i'm the truth and in a world full of fantasy sheep guys be that wolf
Later. Later, guys. AFC East tomorrow. NFC East tomorrow. AFC East. AFC East. AFC East. Yes. <laughs> Love it. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd. And take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show. 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 Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks. <laughs>